0: Production. Devon Franklin is an award winning Hollywood producer, a New York Times best selling author, and a renowned motivational speaker. He is followed by millions around the world for giving counsel on finding joy and spiritual practice embedded in the rhythms of everyday life. Well known for his prayers of hope, his words point to shining corners of beauty in the world we see every day. Devon says, Don't downgrade your dream to match your reality. Upgrade your faith to match your destiny. The lessons Devon imparts today are about the importance of connection, discovering freedom, and finding true contentment in the lives we already lead.
1: When we live free, we decide we're taking the power back. We are setting the expectations that we live by. We are the ones that are making the decision of the course of our life and we allow ourselves the freedom to be who we are and to live how we believe we should live.
0: I'm Sarah Grimberg and this is A Life of Greatness. Working as a podcast and radio producer, I have been fortunate enough to cross paths with many intriguing people who have had a profound impact on me. In this series, I share stories and experiences from the people who have brought inspiration to my life, and hopefully yours too. Devon Franklin is the author of many New York Times best-selling books, including The Success Commandments and his newest book, Live Free, which talks to the many tools available to underscore our lives with greater meaning and purpose. In its essence, this conversation is about transcending the illusions that hold us back, what it means to truly devote oneself to a higher source and reimagining your own personal truth. Devon Franklin is a true gentleman and sharing space with him was an absolute pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it. Devon Franklin, you are a highly acclaimed Hollywood producer, author and speaker. But one thing that has driven your Light is your faith in the divine. How was that faith cultivated and where did it begin?
1: Um, Wow, that's a good question. You know, um, my faith really was cultivated at a young age. Uh, I'm the middle child of three boys and uh, was predominantly raised by my single, by my mother, who was a single mother. Uh, Well, she was actually a widower. You know, my father died when I was nine years old. Uh, He died of a heart attack when he was 36. And so, you know, being raised by my mom, she always had us in church. And uh, the year that my father died was the year that my uncle, who who is a pastor, started his own church. And we as a family started attending his church. And that church was really where I came into a relationship with God. It's really where I came to really understand who God was. It's where I became a Christian and got baptized and everything. And And I was just one of those people, you know, kids that faith really just, I just took to it. And, um, and so as I started to, you know, move up and navigate, you know, my career, it was always something that was a big part of the navigation. Uh, And it was always something that I was very committed to holding on to. And so, but it all started as a kid, you know, and, and just always believing and feeling like, like, you know, the path of the divine, as you say, was the path that I was supposed to be on.
0: What do you think about? about that attracted you so much
1: um that's a great question you know I don't know you know I just remember uh, being in church you know we're talking about I remember back at you know nine 10 11 years old and um, I think it gave me a sense of security and I think I just felt like oh yeah 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 I believe this and this is and I this makes sense like it yeah. made sense to me made a lot of sense you know just god and, and jesus and the plan of salvation and and then also for me practically you know church was a very positive place you know i had a chance i mean it wasn't just, i didn't i didn't just attend i was very active in in church you know we would get to the church when the church opened help the you know the leaders open up the church and clean and vacuum and pass out bulletins and go into the community and pass out flyers and you know, I mean, we did a lot. There was a whole lot that we did. Um, you know, I got I learned how to speak uh, in church and got uh, you know was able to preach sermons and learn how to public speak. I mean, you know, there were so many things. Developed my leadership skills, and so church had a spiritual dynamic and it also had a very practical one, and it was a really great place to incubate my gifts and to have a foundation for those gifts to ultimately um, you know come to the world, so to speak.
0: Spirituality and religion are obviously actually two different things and sometimes some forms of religion or some people that look at themselves as being religious really aren't overly spiritual and then a lot of spiritual people are not overly religious. But I feel that you take a bit of both buckets. How do you entwine
1: the two together? Uh I don't know. I just do me. (laughs) That's it. I just, you know, I don't, it's not, it's not, it's not all, it's not necessarily intentional. Mm. It's just, you know, it's who I am, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm both. And so, you know, my expression of creativity and my expression of, of, of my work, it's, it both, because I am both, it comes out that way. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting question. Um, but I, I just try to do me, you know, I just try to be authentic to me and who I am and, and, and own that and not make excuses for who I am and also not try to account for how people are going to think of me one way or another, Mm. just be me. And, and in my experience, that's been good enough. Mm. You know, I've, you know, been in Hollywood for now 25 years and, and people told me prior to coming into Hollywood, you know, that's, it's not a place where you're going to be able to express your faith. And I didn't believe them. I said, look, I gotta go to Hollywood to see if it's works for me. And because I was so clear with, you know, embracing my faith and, and embracing my spirituality, and I didn't have a problem with it, and I didn't have a problem talking about it. It was it was almost like it disarmed people. They were like, yes. Oh, OK, wow. OK, great. He's 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 very comfortable with his faith. OK, cool. And and, you know, and then because I also incorporated it into my work and my work ethic and how I dealt with people, people who may have had a resistance to it, then saw it through a different lens. Mm-hmm. And they say, Oh, OK, well, the way the Devon is doing it. OK, that that gives us a different perspective on something that we had a different point of view about. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly how I've done it. I've just tried to be authentically myself and uh, let everything else kind of take care of itself.
0: It is. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because I feel for myself as well. It's just innate. I just take bits of what I feel I'm comfortable with and spirituality has become a huge part of my life. And I'm not at all religious, but I am Jewish and that is my religion. But I take the parts out of it that I feel comfortable with and the parts that that feel true to me and who I am. And that's what I run with. And I feel that you obviously... Mm -hmm do a similar thing and then when you are living that day-to-day, I mean, people realise that you're a good person because usually the attributes that you take are the ones that are kindness and the law of cause and effect and, and uh, mm-hmm. the law of attraction and different bits and pieces that really, really show that you are that, that light, I feel.
1: Yeah, it's it's important, you know. I think you know we live in a uh, a world that uh, you know definitely has a lot of darkness. So, um, you know, being a light and giving light uh, is essential because there's a lot of people out there that are hurting and need help, and and so you know trying to be love and light, uh, you know, I think all of us in 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 our way can do that.
0: Yes, you mentioned your dad passed away when you were nine years old, and and he had a heart attack. How did that affect
1: you? Oh my goodness, it affected me uh deeply, greatly. Um, you know, I mean my dad was not around a whole lot growing up mm. um because he was dealing with alcoholism and he was in and out of the house uh frequently and um you know when he would leave we wouldn't necessarily know when he was coming back. Um and even with that my mother never spoke you know negatively about him so we always had a very positive point of view about who he was and, and always understood that he was struggling with an illness. And so, you know, when he passed away, it was, um, you know, it was just, I remember as a kid, like not really knowing how to deal with that, you know, really not knowing how to deal with that. It was just one of those moments that, uh, was like, wow, you know, okay, what is death? Now, Cause at that point in time, um, yeah, I don't think that there was anybody that I knew that closely mm. who had died. And then, um, you know, there's a moment, uh, you know, where that my mother, when, we, when uh, he passed away in the hospital, he had, he had like he had a, a couple heart attacks, but then he had a massive one in the hospital yeah. and they couldn't bring him back. And, um, you know, when that day that he passed away, my mother took us to the hospital and she had us go into the morgue to kiss him goodbye at the hospital. And, um, you know, and that was just, man, it was, whew, it was deep, it was deep, it was very difficult. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I didn't express myself a lot, you know, as a kid. And I think, and I talk about this in the book, you know, I really started to find my value in achievement and uh, started to really try to find value externally. And, you know, and and, on some, and in some degrees that was a good thing, but in other ways, it was, it was very detrimental because, you know, I, I was looking for the achievement and the approval of others or, you know, if I would achieve at school and I would get a pat on the back and I would get that positive reinforcement, then then I started to live my life for that. Mm. And it wasn't until I became an adult that I started to realize, oh, wait, that's a double edged sword. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in terms of that moment, it was very difficult getting through the, the death of my father.
0: You have your new book, Live Free, which is a phenomenal yes. book that everyone should read. It's called Live Free and Exceed Your Highest Expectations. What in your mind does it mean for someone to live free?
1: Yes, live free means that we are not under the mental, physical, or emotional control of anyone or anything. That's what it means to live free. It means we choose the expectations that we live by. Yes. We choose the expectations that we meet. We choose the expectations that we release. So often in my experience, we don't live free. We we are, a lot of times we are held captive to other people's thoughts, their ideas, their opinions, and their expectations of us and our life. And when we live free, we decide we're taking the power back. We are setting the expectations that we live by. We are the ones that are making the decision of of the course of our life. And we allow ourselves the freedom to be who we are, and to live how we believe we should live.
0: Yes. See, a lot of people think that they're victims of their life, that their life is the way that it is just because, and it's, they, they're unable to take the power. They don't even know how to take the power. So what I would ask you is how do people realise that they're not victims of their life? They're able to create the life of their dreams.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it. I think the the the, the greatest catalyst for change is pain. Mm. You know, and and when you have endured enough pain, uh, I think it it would it will cause you or me or anyone uh, going through it to to stop and say, what's causing this pain. And how can I make a change? And so when you talk about being a victim, you know, um, if somebody were to realize, hey, you know, I'm I'm not a victim and I want to... That takes courage. Um, And it doesn't mean... Not identifying as a victim doesn't mean you haven't been victimized. Because I think a lot of times, you know, over the years when people hear like, oh, don't act like a victim. With that comes this idea of, uh, you know what happened to you? Maybe, you know, it's it's okay. You're going to be all right. It's like, well, no, no, no. You can still, I can still not identify with the victim identity. However, I can still acknowledge, no, I was victimized. No, I really went through what I went through. And so I would encourage anyone uh, who's, who is trying to make a change or trying to figure out how to not look at what has happened to them and internalize their identity uh, to still acknowledge what has happened, but also make the choice about the future that they want yeah. because whatever happened in the past has contributed to today, but whatever happens today contributes to tomorrow. What
0: happened to you to make you realize that you were able to live free?
1: Well, being raised in, a, in the church, you know, like that—that that is a, a positive and a negative. Mm. It's a plus and a minus. So, you know, as as beautiful as the experience of being raised in the church was, it also came with it a tremendous amount of, of restriction, a tremendous amount of judgment, a tremendous amount of expectation. And so, you know, uh, just me having the desire to uh, start a life in a career in Hollywood, you know, for my church community that I'm from, that was a very big deal because Hollywood is perceived as, you know, a place that is anti-faith. Mm. And so many people in my community of faith discouraged me from pursuing a career in Hollywood. And so, you know, I had to to learn, okay, well, wait a minute. I have to to still go because it's in my heart. And I had to learn like, hey, you know what, I can't live for them. I gotta live for for what I believe God is calling me to do. And the other part of it, you know, when I look at just the experience of losing my dad, you know, sure. sure. I can, I can, there's a lot of traits that adult children of alcoholics have. So psychologically, you know, there's like a lot of things that, that, so when I look at certain things that I do or have done as an adult, and then I look at what, what, you know, clinically, what adult children of alcoholics will, will exhibit, I exhibit some of those behaviors. However, what I do for myself is I say, okay, that may be a, that may be the truth but I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Yes. That's what it is. It's like I acknowledge, yes, that losing my father was devastating. There are some things that I'm still working through as a result of his death, but I'm not going to find comfort in using his death as an excuse for why I can never be who I want to be, never do what I want to do, and never go where I want to go.
0: How can people take off the shackles of their past to be able to run freely in the future?
1: Well, first again, you, you gotta. It goes back to pain. Mm. So when you talk about a shackle, a shackle um, implies restriction. So if you or I are shackled, we can't move the way we want to move. Like we're restricted, and at a certain point, not only are we restricted but we get constricted. Yes. And and you know if, if that shackle is on too tight, it'll constrict the blood flow. It'll constrict our ability uh, to move the way we want to move. And as a result, it creates pain. So if you are feeling that level of pain in your life where you don't feel like you want to get up in the morning, you don't feel like your life is heading where you want it to head. You don't feel like you are are living your authentic self the more pain you experience from that that becomes the indicator wait a minute there's got to be a better way because i don't want to wake up every day feeling like this Mm. and let that awareness then become the catalyst to put you on the path to find out what do you got to do to break these shackles so that you can run free
0: yes that's very true and i feel when people do have that awakening then it's, it is absolutely up to them to be the ones that are, are then able to change their life and shape it to be the one that they want. And sometimes it does take time, but the whole yes, thing is does. do not give up. Do not give up.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It takes time. And, and that's the other part of it is like, you know, it's very easy from a self-help standpoint to say things that sound great. You know do this and go there and all that kind of stuff and you know that has its place but i think if we're dealing with the truth of it we're all on a journey Mm. and certain things take time and and too often we're in a hurry you know we live in a society right now in a culture that's about fast 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 you know instagram and instant this i mean you know think about it you're on wi-fi i'm on wi-fi if our wi-fi if we're on a website and it takes 15 seconds for the page to load. We're checking Wi-Fi. What's wrong? What's wrong with the connection? It's going slow. Yes. 15 seconds. So then we bring, if, if we bring that mentality to life and to healing, then we may never become free. and We may, may never become peaceful. Why? Because we are rushing ourselves through a process that just takes some time. So one of the keys to me is to, be okay with where you are. Oh, yes. So, so, so it's like, okay, right. you're in Australia, you know, I'm in uh, New Mexico. If I get on a plane to fly to Australia, that's going to take, you know, 13, 14, 15 hours. Now, if, if I'm on the plane and we just took off, am I checking my watch? <laughs> am I, am I knocking on the, the pilot's door? Why aren't we here yet? Why aren't we there? No, the, 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 the flight attendants would say, excuse me, sit down. We just took off. Going to take another <laughs> 12 hours to get there. But think about that. Too often we put this unrealistic expectation on our life of where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed yes. to be. And as a result, we just don't sit back and enjoy the journey. And once we're on the path of purpose and once we put our life you know, on that flight, so to speak, we then have to allow certain things just to take time. Mm. Certain he- healing takes time. Uh, progression takes time. Uh, promotion takes time. Development takes time. It all takes time. Yeah. So be okay with the time. Enjoy the journey because here's where I know. I talk about this in Live Free. If you don't enjoy the journey, you're not going to enjoy the destination.
0: Oh, hallelujah.
1: it's just the truth (laughs) it is just the truth so so I'm all about hey enjoy the journey and also be easy on yourself I think that we are our own worst critic we talk to ourselves worse than we would allow anyone to talk to ourselves Mm. we put ourselves down we we push ourselves we are never content with ourselves so we got to be easy on ourselves we got to pat ourselves on the back we got to say good job Yeah. Hey, you did a good job. Okay, great. I know you want to be further. It's all right. You're on your way. Relax. Enjoy. That's what it looks like when we start to live for
0: How have you cultivated patience? Because I know for myself, that is one of the things that I work so hard at and something that Mm -hmm. I find incredibly tricky at times is that the whole idea of of allowing everything to happen in divine Mm -hmm. timing.
1: Oh my goodness! Isn't that like one of the hardest things to do? I mean, um, you know, patience—they call it a virtue, and uh, that's true. And it's something that I still work at. Okay, I'm not uh, talking to you saying that I'm the master of patience because I am not. And um, you know, when I, whenever I get anxious about something, you know, I step back and say, "What? what why are you? What, what is? Why are you so impatient right now?" Mm. And a lot of times what I realize is I'm impatient um, with a situation. Why? Because I'm impatient with me. Mm -hmm. I'm impatient with my growth. I'm impatient with my process. I'm impatient with with who I want to be. And maybe I'm not exactly that or I'm not there yet. So as a result, the tension of my own impatience with myself then gets expressed in how I'm impatient with other things, and so anytime I'm I'm impatient, I start to say, "Okay, that means I got to be more patient with me."
0: Yes,
1: I, I got to because because if I if I let my if I can be more patient with my development, then I can be more patient with your development. I can be more patient. at certain situations doesn't take a little longer. Mm. So it's it's a it's an awareness thing, you know, aware being aware. Like I was just was on a Zoom and I'm in pre production on a movie and I was dealing with the studio. And uh, they were asking me to do something that I didn't want to do. And um, I, was, I was immediately about to react impatiently. But then I said, no, no, no. Be calm. Be calm. Because at the end of the day, you're, the, the more calm you are, the more confident you are. You can diffuse the situation. Mm. You can hear what they're asking for, and then you can better decide how you want to respond. Sometimes we're impatient out of practice because we're impulsive. So we got to learn another way. And so for me, I try to recognize it and I try to make another choice as quickly as I can.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Your book focuses a lot on our expectations and how if they are not met, we feel suffering. What made you realize that?
1: Because of years of suffering, you know. As I, I've been in Hollywood for twenty-five years, I started as an intern at eighteen years old for Will Smith, and I've worked my way up ever since. And uh, you know, now I run my own production company and make uh, make film and TV shows and whatnot, and um, make movies and TV shows. and And during my career progression. Uh, I used to be an executive for Sony pictures and uh, worked on movies like the karate kid remake and pursuit of happiness and uh, Captain Phillips and whole other, uh, some of Hollywood's biggest movies I've worked on. And there would be times when my expectations for myself were so high, I could have worked on a movie that opened successfully, but I wouldn't feel like I was a success mm. because it didn't do exactly what I wanted it to do, or I didn't get exactly out of it what I thought I should have got out of it. So, when I talk about, you know, living for years, not really being content, not being happy, not, not having joy because my expectations were too high. And when I say high expectations, what I mean by that is that I was expecting things that were out of my control. So, you know, in, in my book, Live Free, I break this down that in order to have an expectation that's set, it's got to be realistic. How do you know it's realistic? Is it in your control to do it? If it's in your control to do it, if it's in my control to do it, then I can expect it. Yes. Why? Because I know that I can do it. But a lot of times we are expecting things that are out of our control. And I believe that's an unrealistic expectation. And so, so many unreal, I had so many unrealistic expectations in my life and that was stressing me out. And, and, and ultimately I got to the place when, and I talk about this in the book where I had to say, why am I never happy? Mm. Oh, got it. I'm never content, not because my reality is bad, not because I'm not successful, not because things aren't going well. The lens of my expectations is blocking my view. Mm. So what would happen if I just took the expectation off? I would be able to appreciate more. I would be able to enjoy more. What if I just focused on what was in my control and had peace over the things that were out of my control? then I could have more joy, more contentment, more fulfillment. And so having the pain around discontent perpetually was the catalyst for me to pursue what real peace looked like. And I found that through setting expectations for myself.
0: Devon, how do you deal with comparison? Because I feel that's an expectation a lot of people put on themselves is they're not as good as someone else that might be in their industry. And especially for you being a Hollywood producer, I know it's quite a... Can be quite a competitive field. When you feel yourself yeah. looking at the person next to you, yearning that maybe you were where they are, how do you, how do you dismiss those feelings, or, or ensure that that you're swimming in your own lane?
1: Yeah, you know, um, a friend of mine taught me this one saying uh, about comparison: uh, compare and despair. <laughs> Compare and despair. And I love it. Every time I get to comparing, I say, wait a minute, compare and despair. Yeah. Compare and despair. And so that's so important because a lot of times we're, it's, 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 let me put it this way. Uh, we're all in a journey, in a race, one of one, right? We're, we're, so when, when I take my eyes off the road, it's like driving a car. You know, if I take my eyes off the road, my eyes are going to go where, I mean, my life is going to go or I'm going to go wherever my, life, my eyes are focused. Mm. And so when we talk about comparison, you know, we take our focus off of what we can control and put it on what we can't. And the weird thing about comparison is it it's, it creates this, uh, this idea in our mind that there is somebody or some people out there that are literally judging our every move based upon whoever we're comparing ourselves to. Yes. And it's just not true. Yes. It's just not true. It's like, you know, you have a dynamic podcast. Other people are not out there comparing your podcast to anybody else. They just listen to your podcast because yes. they like your podcast. So if you start to compare your podcast to others, then you're going to take your eye off of the ball. What makes your podcast great? Mm. So, you know, comparing and, and despairing is something to be reminded of when, you, when we are setting expectations and to know that it's not about what someone else is doing or not doing. It's about what you and I are going to do.
0: Yes.
1: And no one else gets to become the standard for our life, mm. but us. So when I start to when I found myself comparing and despairing in the past, it's because I was using someone else's life as the standard for my life. And that's dangerous.
0: Absolutely. Because their
1: life is their life and my life is my life and I can look at somebody and say, "Oh, they inspire me." oh, wow, you know what? That podcast is, that inspiring me. I like what they're doing over there. Hmm, that's interesting. I might have to take some of that and use some of that. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's positive. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's not negative.
0: Yes, that's so true. And I mean, half the time, people compare themselves to someone, they don't even know what's going on in that person's life. They might be all shiny from the exterior, but internally, you've got no idea what's happening behind closed doors.
1: No, and, and what you just said, and I talk about this a lot, And what I said is that when you compare your life, right, to somebody else's. So my first book was called Produced by Faith. And in that, I talk about like, hey, you know, look at your life as a movie. And when you look at your life as a movie, every movie is filled with different scenes. And so when you and I compare, I'm comparing where I am in my scene of the scene of my life. And I'm looking at somebody else saying, ooh, I wish I was there. Having no idea what's getting ready to happen in the next scene of their movie. Mm. It may look good in this scene, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So to your point, all we see is the presentation. It's very easy, especially in this time of social media and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. and You can curate whatever perspective you want to create, Mm. but nobody knows what's really going on but you. So this is why we got to resist the temptation to compare. This is why we have to resist the temptation to look anywhere outside of ourselves for who we should be. We got to look at ourselves, look in the mirror, look to God, and find it there.
0: Beautiful. So well said. (laughs) You have a beautiful chapter in the book that is Rip Mr. Perfection you talk about how that led you to an internal prison of your own, the the need to yes. always be perfect. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes.
1: You know, listen, this is, this is one of the reasons why I wrote the book because, uh, you know, I was dealing with the perfection. So going back to my father, you know, uh, losing my father, you know, uh, as we talked about earlier, it's like I found a lot of my value in approval and achievement and so as I was, you know, finding a value and approval and achievement, uh, what happened when I was in middle school, when I was in uh, sixth grade, you know, I mean, we, my mother would make us go to school and, you know, we were all, you know, just, uh, sweatered and, you know, hair cut perfectly and shoes shined and all of that. I mean, we were just pristine. And so, you know, again, because I was so fixated on, you know, achievement, not only did we, was I very, you know, by the book in terms of my dress, when it came to how I handle academics, I was very by the book. I did everything the teacher wanted me to do. I was called the teacher's pet, all of that. But in sixth grade, they called me, they started calling Mr. Perfect, you know, and I was like, oh, okay. I thought that's a cool thing. That's Mm. a term of endearment. Oh, Mr. Perfect. I'm like, cool. Yeah, I do everything perfectly. (laughs) as I got older and I kept leaning into that, at first I didn't realize how devastating it was. But as I started to get older and got into my career and started to live life, I began to realize, oh, wait a minute, perfection or perfectionism is a prison. Mm-hmm. Because then what happens if people find out that I'm not perfect? Because I know I'm not perfect. And I knew I wasn't perfect. I mean, nobody is.
0: No one
1: is. I mean, what makes a diamond a diamond? What makes it valuable? It's flaws. Same with us as as as, uh, as human, as mm-hmm. hum- humanity is, as flesh and blood, right? Our flaws make us valuable. And so for me, living in this perfect or trying to live in this perfect identity and this persona, it created a prison for me. And so, uh, you know, I began, we talk about high expectations. A lot of those high expectations for myself came from this Mr. Perfect persona. Mm-hmm. So I had to get to the place where I said, you know, I got I got to kill this persona. I got to stop trying to do everything perfectly and live perfectly. I just got to be me. I got to understand that I'm going to have an intent to do the right things. And sometimes I, I, I might uh, fall short of that and that's okay. And so that was the process of me really starting to uh, shed this Mr. Perfect persona so that the real me could come through and that I could really appreciate who I really am not who I want other people to believe I am
0: how did you then feel comfortable in not being perfect
1: yeah um you know what honestly even now um it's it's a relief you know it's just like oh right okay right I don't have to say that perfectly to my like Devon, you you don't, you don't have to send the perfectly worded email. Like Mm. it's like, oh right. I can just say, Hey, can you do this or that? Like, honestly, even now, again, because that Mr. Perfect program was so strong in my life. Even now I'm still working against it. Even some people that know me now would still say, Oh no, you're still Mr. Perfect. Um, I don't identify with that anymore. And it really started just, it gave me more peace because I, I wasn't burdened by it. Mm. you know i mean you know anyone who struggles with perfectionism you know you o- you can overthink things the most the most simplistic thing you can overthink and and then you calculate and how is this person going to think about me if i do this and that and as a result when we're trying to be perfect we're not living yeah so i personally you know have had a lot of relief in just giving myself the moment to be who I am and do some things that I don't, you know. Again, I'm just even little things like a text message, Devon. Doesn't have to be perfect. Just send the text, you know. Relax, it's okay, you know. And uh, and, and just telling myself those type of things has been very helpful.
0: It is an absolute sense of freedom, not having to be perfect and knowing that no one Absolutely. cares. The only person that cares about things like that is yourself, as you said.
1: That's right. That's right. Absolutely,
0: Devon. In live free, you talk about boundaries and self prioritizing, which is something that I've stood my ground on for many years because I felt that for a while, when I didn't even kind of living unconsciously, I was giving a lot of my energy to things that didn't didn't make me feel whole or content. And I I would then feel tired and unhappy and you would walk away thinking, "I I don't feel that that was a good use of my energy. And then when I learned about boundaries and setting them, especially for myself, that I felt that I was using my time and energy where it was needed most. How do you recommend people set solid boundaries so that they can live their best life?
1: yeah well well first and foremost you boundaries are a sign of love and respect Mm. so if you first don't love yourself if you don't respect yourself how can you put boundaries on how can you protect something you don't respect yeah so when you know if you're allowing uh you know people in and out of your life and and, on, and, on, and they get a chance to be in your life on their terms. Mm. And people feel like they can just do to you and say to you whatever they want. And you haven't yet gotten the courage to speak up. That may be because there's a, a, a lack of self-worth and a lack of self-love. And so before we can even do a talk about setting a boundary, first, you got to love yourself and respect yourself. Yes. You know, why, why is the, do you put an alarm on your house or your car? Why? Because you value it. That's a boundary. I don't want just anyone to have access to what I I hold most dear. Mm. So the same way we would protect a house or a car or something, a physical, you know, possession, we have to be that vigorous and more about protecting our heart, our mind, our energy from people who, God bless them, a lot of people want what they want and they want to get it however they can get it. And if we don't have boundaries, we find ourselves being manipulated. We find ourselves being used. We find ourselves on the short end of the stick of life and we never feel happy and content. Why? Because we have not protected us. Mm. So it starts with love and respect. And then practically, you know, um, that's why I wrote the book because you can't meet everyone's expectations. And if you do, then you're never going to have boundaries because you're always going to say yes, 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 yes. No is a great boundary. Yeah. No, I can't do it. Do, you can say no with a smile. No, can't do it. No, <laughs> no, I can't do that. Um, and one of the reasons why I think people are so stressed is because they're too yes.
0: Yeah.
1: They said yes to everything. When you know your boundaries, you know then you say, well, no, that doesn't work. Or when you say yes, it actually works within your boundaries. Mm. So you start to set your boundaries by loving yourself, respecting yourself, and then looking at the areas where you feel like you wanna get more control back and start to put some boundaries around those areas in your life.
0: I think you brought up a really good topic. You have to love yourself to set boundaries. And I find that a lot of people will come to me and they'll complain someone was doing it yesterday about their workload. They were telling me they've got so much work and this and they're all angry but they were saying, I say yes to everything and why wouldn't I say yes and I've got to say yes and I'm thinking, but you're sitting here winching to me that you don't have enough time and you can't do this and you can't do that. Why are you saying yes to everything? I mean, don't you respect yourself enough to set boundaries, to be able to not fear what do you think you're going to lose your job? What, what, what totally. do, you, do you not have enough confidence in yourself that you're, you know that you're giving a good service? And people need to respect that and the, the time that you have. And I feel that's the same also with people dealing with other people. They'll whinge and moan about them the whole time, but then you'll see and they'll go out with the person or they'll they'll still remain friends with them. And you think to yourself, why are you doing that? When every time you go out with them, you speak about how bad it is. And I know for myself, as I mentioned, those are some things that I said quite a few years ago and they allowed me to have true freedom and and really gain a lot of confidence about who I was and what I would stand for and what I would not.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I love what you're saying. It's it's so true. And, and that idea of like, you know, saying yes and trying to, you know, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm complaining about this person. I'm still going to go out with them. It's like, well, okay, so what's really going on? What's yeah. really going on underneath there is that you're complaining, but secretly you feel that if you don't have this person, you feel uncertain or insecure. Yes. So as a result, you'll override that insecurity and continue to engage with somebody that you know you actually probably shouldn't. So I love what you're saying.
0: In the book, you talk about anytime we fundamentally compromise who we are, our spirit keeps the tab. And I just love that. Yeah. And that's yeah. when we're basically not living in our truth, we just, you know, our soul knows. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Oh yeah, I talk about the spirit. You know, keeps the tab, and so the the concept there is that um, I don't know if if you're like me, but or have been like me. I'm not so much like this now, yes. but I've had these moments when, in the, the month period of like, you know, your credit card, you know, been out bought bought some things. And say, oh, okay, cool, I'm good. You know, I, I can afford this, afford that, afford that. And then at the end of the month, get the bill and say, wait a minute, hold on a second. I didn't know I bought all that, <laughs> okay? Because the, the every time we, we charge on that card, guess what? The credit card company keeps the tab. So every time we do something that we don't really want to do, every time we say yes to something that really wasn't in our heart, every time... We, we live in a way that's against who we really are. No one may know it, but our spirit keeps tapping. Mm. Our true self knows when it's not being true. Yeah. So what happens is over time, we override the system. We suppress, we suppress, we say, yes, we are everything to everybody. We are trying to please everyone that we can. But then in a moment, We find ourselves blow up at somebody. We get mad. We don't, we're short with someone. Why? Because our spirit is saying, I am not happy. Mm. This is not who I was created to be. I am not content. I am tired of trying to be what everybody wants me to be. And so those moments when, you know, you blow up or you act out of character, those are moments where, they are warning signs. Hey, wait a minute. You're not, you're, you're not in truth. You're not in freedom. So I talk about the spirit keeping a tab to let, to let anyone reading the book know, hey, you got you to gotta be in touch with what's going on in your spirit. Yes. You know, and how do you know how you feel? It's really that simple. Mm. Do I feel good or do I feel bad? Do I feel compromised or do I feel courageous? Totally. Just being in touch with how we feel. Oh, you know, I'm feeling good. Okay, great, man. I'm, I don't know. I'm not. Feel, I'm feeling uneasy. Why? Because I know. You know, yeah. I'm feeling uneasy because I told somebody yes on something that I don't really want to do, and now I got to do. It.
0: Yes, I had that actually <laughs> when when I read that in your book. I it just it, some a situation came for me where someone asked me to do some extra work, and I agreed to it, and I did it for a while, and I did not enjoy it at all. And I was going to bed every night just. There was something, Devon, innately in me that was saying, I don't, "I don't feel good," and I actually didn't even know that it was the work. I just I felt off, and I didn't know what it was about, and I felt sad. I I could feel that I felt mm. sad, and then I realized it. It was this. It was it was this work I'd taken on, and as soon as I said that to myself and realized, like, is it this? And then and then realized it was and I decided to give that up. There was such a sense of lightness and just feeling whole again yeah. because to your point my spirit was shouting at me why are you doing this? This is not the environment that you want to work in and these are not these are not the sort of people you want to work with and it's I couldn't I didn't know straight away and then I knew.
1: Yeah, and it's 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 so what I love about what you're saying is that like Sometimes it takes a little while, like for us to to get in touch with what's going on, how we're feeling, you know, it's like, wait a minute, wait, 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 why am I, what's going on? Why I'm, you know, I don't have the motivation. I, you know, I'm more irritable than than I'm, than I want to be. I'm more frustrated. Where's that coming from? And then it's finally, it's like, oh, I get it. So then though, it takes courage to then do something about it. Yes. Because one of our greatest fears is disappointing somebody. We don't like to disappoint anyone. We don't want anyone to be mad at us. We don't want anyone to. So, so, so that then sometimes becomes uh, our number one priority. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to upset anybody. Okay. So then you don't upset somebody, but you're upset. You don't disappoint disappoint anyone, but you get disappointed. No, this is what living free is all about. I got to take control back from my life. And if I am respectful, if I am loving and I, decline someone's you know request and they have a problem with it that's their problem Mm. I'm not here to subsidize your disappointment I'm not here to subsidize your frustration with me not doing what you want me to do and being who you want me to be I'm not here to do that
0: yes that is so true such wise words Devon what's been your most mystical experience that you have ever had
1: I mean, probably one of them, and I'm sure I've had a number, but the one that comes to mind immediately is that, you know, when I was a kid, going back to uh, church, you know, we were in the neighborhood. I was a teenager. We were in the neighborhood uh, passing out flyers. And, um, you know, flyers for a church event. And long story short, we're in the neighborhood and these two pit bull dogs got loose. And they started to chase me and the, the small group that I was with from the church. Long story short, um, everyone scattered and the two pit bulls ended up chasing me. And so they're chasing me and I'm running around the block and running around cars and they're chasing me furiously and ferociously. And so there was where our church was, there was like a really, uh, a very busy street and there was an Island in the middle of the street. So I was saying, okay, look, let me get to the Island and hopefully a car will hit the dogs. And so i run to them, to the Island. I was in the middle of the street and. The, the cars didn't hit the dogs. And so I try to run across the other side of the street, but there's too many cars coming. And if I do it, I'm going to get hit. So right there in the middle of the street, the only thing I could think to do was to throw up my hands. And I started saying, thank you, Jesus. 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 The two pit bulls ran up to me. They stopped. They didn't bark they didn't jump, they didn't growl, they stopped. And, it, and and I just kept saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Soon thereafter, their owner came, they saw their owner, the owner didn't say anything to me, didn't say anything to them, he just walked up behind, ran up behind him, and then they left with him.
0: Wow. And
1: I said, whoa, because, you know, pit bulls, you know, yes. they, they maul people, they bite people, you know, sometimes, not all of them, but, you know, uh, I just, I mean, I, I could be, I could have, you know, yeah. I could have challenges today physically because of what that event could have done. But that to me was a very mystical spiritual experience.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: because I had no other choice but to go into the spirit mm. on how to deal with it.
0: Wow, that's beautiful.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: What is the best advice that you've ever been given?
1: You know, the best advice that I've been given, I've been I've been given a lot of good advice. Um, but one of the pieces of advice was from uh, uh, Will Smith. Um, and he's told me, you know, that it's not about um, how hard you work. Everybody works hard, but it's about how long. Everyone can work hard, but not everybody can work long. And not everybody can stay committed. Not everybody can stay persistent. And so, you know, success is going to be de- dependent on your commitment uh to seeing it all the way through no matter how long it takes and um and that really spoke to me because you you know there's you do hear a lot about hard work hard work hard work and certainly hard work has its place but that's not the only ingredient to success and so staying committed being persistent being patient um, you know how long you can work is really a lot of times about patience endurance and so learning those lessons and, and getting that advice from him early in my career has certainly helped me as I continue to navigate, you know, my career and continue to become who I believe I can be.
0: What's the lesson that has taken you the longest to learn?
1: You know, the lesson that's taken me the longest to learn is very similar to you know some of the things we've been talking about, which is um, it's it's not about where I'm going. It's not even about what I achieve. It's about loving who I am now appreciating the moment and doing everything I can to enjoy the journey because mm. I personally have been a destination addict okay I'm addicted to the destination I'm addicted to the result and um, and very and at times I have had no joy in the mm. process or the journey and I've had no joy with myself so i've had to learn to say okay man you gotta appreciate yourself you gotta appreciate the moment you gotta appreciate because in times when you know i talk about this in the book and then when i was working for um sony pictures i wanted an i wanted a promotion and i didn't get it when i wanted it and i was upset about it and then once i finally got the promotion nothing in my life changed nothing mm. and i realized oh it's a mirage yeah. Saying I'll be happy then, it's a mirage. Mm. And I had to learn how to be happy now and focus on that and work on that. And something I still work on, you know. There's still things I want to achieve and places I want to go and places I want to be in my career and life. And I'm not there yet. And, and I gotta I still work on just saying, hey, hey, are you happy now? Are you joyful now? Because I don't care. No matter what my dreams may be, no matter all the aspirations, if I don't practice that now. No, nothing that's going to happen for me will will make me happier than how I can create my happiness right now. Yes,
0: so true. Devon, you are the king of prayers, and we talk a lot about prayer on this podcast. Will you tell us your favorite prayer?
1: Yeah, please. Sure, sure. Let me do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord, uh, for anyone uh, listening uh, to this podcast right now. I pray that if you're listening to this podcast, you would know it's not by accident. You would know that this is a divine appointment. I pray that you would know that the pain you're in is not permanent, that you can change the trajectory of your life. I pray that as you're listening to this prayer that you would be encouraged to know that you are cared for, that you are loved, that there is value to your existence. I pray if you're listening to this prayer, that you would know that greater days are not just yet ahead, greater days are here. I pray if you're listening to this prayer, the next time you take out your phone to take a selfie, that you would love who looks back at you in the phone. I pray that you would know that you aren't what has happened to you, but you are about to happen to the world. I pray if you have no hope, that you would listen to this prayer and your hope would overflow. And I pray, that as you listen to this prayer, that you would know that everything you have been through will prepare you for what's getting ready to happen in your life. This is our prayer, respecting all religions, I pray, in the name of Jesus, amen.
0: that was beautiful.
1: (laughs) Amen, thank you.
0: What is a life of greatness to you?
1: Um, A life of greatness is service. Really being of service, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And and that's a uh, two-part, that is a two-part command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when I want to be great, I have to first love myself in a great way. I have to be of service to myself in a great way so then i can be of service to others sometimes people get this mixed up because they think well if i focus on me that's being selfish no 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 selfish is different than self-prioritizing when someone is selfish they want what they want and they don't care who they have to hurt to get it when someone self-prioritizes their mentality is i want to be of service to others i want to contribute to the well-being of others i first must contribute to my well-being so, when I think about greatness, it's about service. What is the best service I can offer this world? How many lives can I impact in a positive, constructive, productive way? That is greatness.
0: Devon Franklin, thank you for being such a bright light in this world. Thank you, thank you for the beautiful conversation today.
1: Wow. Thank you for having me. I'm honored and blessed and incredibly grateful. So, thanks for the opportunity.
0: For more inspiration and wisdom, I would love you to join me and my community on Instagram at a life of greatness podcast to purchase my ebook, finding greatness and watch videos on this and other episodes, head to saragrimberg.com. Love what you heard? Then we'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple podcasts or your favorite podcast app and leave a five-star review. It will help us share this wisdom with others. A Life of Greatness's executive producer is me, Sarah Grimberg. Audio producers Matt Nikolic and Darcy Thompson. Special thanks to Grant Tothill for bringing this dream to life. For more episodes, search a Life of Greatness podcast. Download the new Listener app now and listen for free. Listener.